0: All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Solomon Investor Show, where we look at wisdom from the world's wisest man, King Solomon, and translate it for the 21st century investor, covering everything between health, wealth, faith, and excellence. It's time to stop trusting the public markets and look to history's first trillionaire on how to build real, lasting wealth. Look, over the past 14 years, we've applied these exact principles in more than 300-plus transactions. Not one single investor has lost money. That trillionaire was King Solomon. We'll be sharing his wisdom on how to build wealth in a way that's translated for the 21st century investor. My name is Blake Templeton, and this is the Solomon Investor Podcast. Today, I'm joined with economist Harry Dent, somebody I've been studying for, gosh, Harry, eight years. Um, I love your rants and your newest book, Zero Hour. You know, Harry, today, arguably, it's the most unprecedented time. I mean, all the inauguration stuff in world history. um, I'm excited to talk to you, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah. Good to be here, Blake. I think we first met... In uh, 2015 in Whistler, Canada, hmm. uh, it was at a Tony Robbins Platinum Partnership Private Wealth event, and Tony brought you in to share on econ- um, you know, on the economy, what was happening, what was going to happen over the next 36 months, demographics. Obviously, you know, you're the guru of demographics. You warned back then, yeah, you know, that there was a coming stock market crash, and I remember in 17 seeing you know, the quantitative easing getting pulled back a little bit, everything starts to implode. I'm thinking this is that, all of a sudden they just ramp it back up and manipulate the market again. Um, Then in 2020, I mean, it was already going to happen. I think we can both agree it was already already there, it was already gonna happen. Then the Fed pumps more money after the 2020
1: crash, which again, you predicted. Unbelievable Uh amounts this time. 35% of GDP, if you add up the fiscal and the monetary stimulus, they didn't own 6% was the most they did in a year in the Great Depression with 25% unemployment. This is my goodness.
0: Yeah. Well, and now, you know, we're back to, you know, hitting high, the record highs. And yet our economy is completely stagnant. sick. It's, and there's a mass disconnect. And so you're convinced that the largest stock market crash to date is coming in 2021. And, you know, with all the, I mean, time, news, the economy, everything is changing so fast now. Like you couldn't put something out without it already having some updates. So I'd love
1: to. I just put two updates. My newsletter just came out in January on Monday and I put two daily updates since. (laughs) But that's like, yeah, that's the type of time we're in. Yeah. It's
0: crazy. Share with us right now, uh, more on that coming stock market crash and what to be aware of.
1: Well, you know, first thing, and this is the hardest thing to get across because it's it's such a long cycle. I study cycles, and and the demographic cycle was my unique cycle I discovered in the eighties, Con- consulting to entrepreneurial business people and having to deal with the new baby boom they were dealing with instead of the aging Bob Hope generation. Right. The Fortune One Hundred companies I used to consult to at Bain and Company were dealing with. So I just saw this baby boom. I started getting demographics. And I, okay, there's about a 40-year cycle of about 26 years. Generation grows in spending as they age, and then their kids leave, and then there's a downturn to the next generation. That's a big thing. We, I predicted so many things off of that, in, including the collapse of Japan in the 90s when everybody else was booming uh, because demographics are dust. I mean, demographic, the most predictable thing is when people spend money, and I don't mean just peak spending at 47 today in the U.S. or 46 back in that boom for the boomers. But I mean, cradle to grave 84 is the peak for nursing homes. 27 is the peak for people for apartments that young people move in as they get married before they can afford a house. And then everything I mean, insurance, life insurance is 58. I mean, there's not anything you can't bring up that I probably can't say, Oh, this is when that peaks. Nobody's aware of this. Economists aren't aware of it. Businesses grow, grow, grow. And then all of a sudden, their business goes down and they go "Well, what happened? Well, you're you know your generation, you were peaked. They don't need you anymore. You should yep. have seen it coming, and you don't. So, so that thing. But there's a big cycle that I discovered more like eight years ago, from my co-author Zero Hour. He's a big cycle guy, and we met at a Tony Robbins thing in Miami, okay, two thousand and eight, and at St. Platt thing, and and he'd been reading my books, and we just hit it off, and so we ended up writing a book together. But he said, "Hey, Gan says." We have all of our cycles matched, 80% of them. But he said, Dan says 45 and 90 year cycles important. I said, oh, I don't have that one. Mm. So I dig, dig, dig. I got all this research. It very didn't take me about a month to say, oh my God, that's a technology cycle. Mm. Steamships, railroads, automobiles, right. you know, boom, yes. jets, you know, every 45 years, like a clock, more clock-like than any of my cycles. But there's a more important cycle, which I knew about, but I didn't, I, I kind of knew about, but didn't know the reason. A 90-year cycle in stocks. Ever since stock exchanges were created and stocks became a thing, and now they're a huge thing, obviously. Late 70s. Every 90 years, you get a super bubble and a super crash. So that's once every two generations, actually a little more than two generations, because that'd be 40 and 40, 80. But we are hit. We hit a generation cycle of down spending 2008 on, which I predicted way back in the right. 80s. Exactly. Um, And it happened. And that's why we've been living off the QE. And it wasn't just a normal, it was the baby boom, the largest generation history, now not spending in greater numbers. And so it was a really deep downturn. So printing, 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 printing. Well, that printing actually feeds right into this 90 year cycle, which peaks around 2019 to 20. So so the last 90 year cycle peak, which everybody would recognize, late 1929 peak in stocks into late 32 crash. 89% 89% blue chip, fang-like stocks went down, Yeah, 25% unemployment, the, the the worst downturn in history, and nobody saw it coming. And you know what? Even my, demogra- my demographics would say we'd still be in the late downturn of the baby boomers into 2022-23, mm-hmm. but nobody would expect that we're going to see the worst crash at the end of what I call this winter season, and that's what we're in. And that's what they're fighting, Blake. I mean, they they know it. These central bankers have tried to tried to pump us out of the 2008-9 Great Recession, which right. was the beginning of that baby boom down. And they had to pump way harder than they thought. And they're still doing it 12 years later. They they thought, oh, we later, pump yeah. a trillion or two and we'll get over this, this little crisis and we'll be gone. No, they didn't understand. The biggest generation is, had stopped spending. We got unprecedented debt levels all around the world, but in the U.S. and, and in particular in two. And and this was a major thing. So they had to blow us out of a debt and a generational downturn. And now what to do that, the only thing they found to work, normally they say, oh, we'll make interest rates low and we'll we'll make credit easy. Well, nobody needed to borrow after the great boom. Right. Everybody was over borrowed and overspent. Uh, they're already overleveraged, right? Businesses, consumers, even governments didn't need much capacity. And and so what they found by accident when they first saved the banks with that big jolt in 2009 of quantitative easing, they realized, oh, well, it kind of saved the banks, but what it really did was pumped up financial assets, and that made at least the top 20%, particularly the top 1% who, who, who own most of those financial assets richer, and they've been spending ever since. Oh, man, I mean, yacht sales have not gone down, no, BMW right. sales have not gone down, you know, on and on and on and on. And so, and, and, you know, and so yeah. So that's so, where we're at. we're at. We're at the top of this bubble, and they're fighting it harder and harder. It it wanted to blow, and the COVID was the perfect trigger. And they replaced an entire 20% collapse of the economy with $3.6 with of money printing, monetary, and now $3 trillion going on another couple trillion right. with Biden coming in in fiscal stimulus all in one year. And people <laughs>
0: don't understand how... It's, it's hard for most. It's hard to comprehend, you know, a billion, which is a thousand million, but for a trillion, when they're dealing with, you know, a small six figure salary, it's hard for them to comprehend how bad this is. And if you put that inside a business, like a tangible business, not a stock, but a real, tangible, hard asset, and you were that upside down you would see it's how sick it is. So people don't understand how sick even the publicly traded companies are. You know, I mean, we talked about the zombie companies. Yeah, Um, that's
1: 19% of
0: of publicly,
1: not small businesses, publicly traded large
0: companies. 19% of publicly traded companies not paying their debt service, their interest, their principal. Explain, I think there's like a numbness of a lot of people I talk to who are stuck in the market and they just have that, that the, the trigger finger to get out, it's broken. Explain, if you got 19% of all publicly traded companies, zombie companies, they're not paying debt service, interest, and in principal, explain really how bad that really is.
1: Well, see, normally those companies would be foreclosed on, but the banks don't have to foreclose because since the Federal Reserve is giving them constant liquidity and money, they don't have to declare, they don't want to declare losses. And they don't want to foreclose. And the businesses don't want to be foreclosed on. So everybody gets a free ride until something goes wrong. And then the whole thing comes down. So what do you have is it all these zombie companies you have in addition to that. People don't understand. <laughs> Almost all of the stock market gains have nothing to do with growing earnings. Earnings are not growing. It's Correct. all stock yes. buybacks with cheap money and excess cash flow given for free to co- companies got their taxes cut by Trump. They, could, they can borrow money endlessly at 3%, 4% on, on a corporate bond. It used to be 6%, 8%. They can borrow money and just buy their stock and, and make their earnings per share zoom up like they're going, growing like crazy, and they're not. The economy used to grow in the boom before, 4% typically. Now it's grown since 2012 when this bubble started after the recovery period. And we got in this next bubble. 1.65% with $25 trillion printed mm. by central banks globally, and seven of that by the over seven and a half by the Fed alone in this country. So so it, it's just to grow that slow with yeah. 12 years of massive stimulus. Anybody yeah. with their head even half screwed on straight that wasn't on crack, heroin, and cocaine, okay would say, there's something wrong with the economy. If you well, stimulate it and- that much, and it only grows that much, and my question is always, what do you think we'd have if we hadn't thrown all this free money into the That's the economy, question. that's just perverts everything. Yeah, keep zombie companies going. keeps company stocks going up. When, when, it's, it's, so when this thing blows, it's going to be so bad, people are going to say, what happened, and what was anybody smoking? So I'm just telling people in advance and people don't like to hear it. Nobody wants you to. It's it's like telling a heroin addict they're going to die if they keep taking more heroin every day for the next few years. They don't
0: want to hear it. That's a really good point. You know, with twenty five trillion being pumped in, it's less than two percent inflation. And that's not even, you know, consumer. 1.3
1: percent inflation.
0: They can't even get it up to two sustainably. That's not even people buying stuff that's literally it just with that heroin just being pumped in and everyone on the high. So, you know, and we'll get to, um, where you think different investment classes are. So, you know, for you guys interested in knowing what Harry thinks right now, stay to the end. Um, I want to continue talking about the economy, um, because it's really the foundation of everything. If you don't understand what's happening that, you know, the financial education, what's happening in the market, if you don't understand that, uh, You you continue with bad rules, and bad rules put us in bad situations. And success is a bad tutor when you've been living on a manipulated market. That, That success is really a false success, so it's a bad tutor. People don't have a clear indication of what real good discernment or real good wisdom is for their actual wealth. And so, you know, you're you're seeing we're seeing the stock market peaking and you're predicting. Uh, to see the largest crash in history by April. Is that correct? Be the
1: largest since 1929 and 32, which means bigger than the GFC and any other crash. bigger than 73, 74. Those were 50, 60% crashes. This is going to be 70 to 90%. I think closer to 90, but, but again, you don't know what government's going to do to even sugarcoat that, but I'm sure. telling you if they keep doing what they're doing, there is a the end result and it's called Japan
0: 30
1: yeah. years of a, Coma, A coma, zombie economy. They've yeah. got, they never deleveraged their loans and foreclosed on their companies and got rid of the bad businesses and stuff. And they got people employed doing nothing, pretending so, like they're working.
0: Let's talk about that. So if, if that crash is going to happen, what can, I mean, we've gone through quantitative easing one, you know, that, that, that small amount of heroin didn't work. So you got to go bigger, got to go stronger, stronger drug to, to pump it full more. So we go to quantitative easing two and and that kind of had its life shelf. And then we went to quantitative easing three, I guess, maybe monetary policy three. And well,
1: we're about to get three with Biden and whatever the Fed does next, you know.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, but this, this is really, you know, a picture that it's unlimited printing. Yeah.
1: it's the un- And they said that from the beginning. Mario Draghi was the first one in 2011 to say... I will print unlimited amount of money to stop this downturn and to particularly stop short sellers from selling our crappy European bonds,
0: especially so those, in Italy
1: and Spain at the time that were just so defaulting like crazy. Those of you listening,
0: you've got to ask the quality question, you know, am I investing somewhere that actually has a real company backing it? Because, you know, we, we essentially, Harry got two different things, like say Coca-Cola, then you have a shell company and what you were saying was the shell company, the actual stock, it doesn't have any revenue. And people are investing into this thing, but the real companies over here. But there's no revenue over here. So for every single company in the stock market, if it doesn't have any revenue here and people are investing here.
1: well, And, and it's not real revenue. A lot of the revenues that companies do have in is only because... Central banks have popped up, the economy. Right. And, and, and rich people are spending on stuff they normally wouldn't spend this much on and, and that sort of thing. It's the everyday stuff that is necessary, um, that is growing naturally, that is still solid. But but most companies aren't in those businesses and they're only leveraging their own earnings by buying back their own stocks and investing to some degree in in, in, in their growth, which is not even real. I mean, we wouldn't even have 1.6, again, if we hadn't printed this much money, we would have had negative growth, sometimes up, sometimes down, but negative net growth for the last 10 or 12 years instead of 1.65 and instead of 4% in good time. So that's where we would be, and most businesses would be what? Going under in in, in these more cyclical businesses that are not as stable and real. And another thing that people are having a hard time grasping
0: you know, with this sugar daddy approach of this V-curve is that, um, you know, the brainwashing of, I'll just, you know, just set it and forget it, or it's always going to come back. And, yeah. you know, what I hear you saying is, you know, welcome to a new normal. It's not coming back. This next, this next crash,
1: it's not going to come back. There will be no V-curve. You that correct? Right. Yeah. I, I just give you two examples from, from the last hundred years. The 1929 and 32, the top most comparable to this because it was a super bubble. Uh, from that top, you would have had to wait until 1953 to get back to even 24 years. In other words, if you were retiring 24 a years. portfolio in 1929, you would have suffered an 89% crash in stocks and 30% in real estate and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And you wouldn't have got back to even until you were dead, long dead. <laughs> Yeah. So this is. And then the same thing happened from the top in '68, adjusted for inflation, in the stock market. That was the uh, Bob Hope generation before the baby boom. Even from there, that top, we didn't get back till 1993. That was 25 years later. Not as big a crash, 50 to 60 percent, but still didn't get back to even for 20. So. Stocks, when the financial advice says, oh, that's right. Stocks always come back. Just just go through the downturn. Yes, that's true. 80% of the time, maybe 90. This is not the time. This is a super bubble. Anybody with common sense should be able to look at this, stand back and say, all of this is baloney. There's not a damn thing real happening. But government's printing money and everything propped up and people buying their stocks and zombie companies limping along because they don't have to pay their debts. And, and of course, that leads to bad productivity when you got a bunch of zombie companies. Right. Um, so it, when it goes down, it's not going to be a normal recession and it's not going to be a normal crash. And it's going to take two to three years. And it is going to be these type of crashes are 70, 90. Generational downturns like the 70s are 50 to 60% crashes that take a long time. This is going to be 80 to 90% and take longer than most people listening are going to live. And in fact, there's another thing. We don't have a generation larger coming this time. The millennials only come a back great to point. home. a really great point. First ones ever to only come back to where the last generation was. Don't need new homes. Don't need more cars. We're not going to need more of anything long term. Right. Um, and then <laughs> the, the zillennials after them are a nothing burger. They, they don't even have a generational no. bump, Harley. They, they had a birth curve, but they, they, they didn't have the immigrants that fed the baby boom in the millennials. So so we our next boom will be millennials, but it will not be as strong and it will not go to heights. And then after that, we 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 never even get to where we are now. So there's a different future. Now that's not the case for India, the merging where well, there's plenty of places sure. where the air are gonna grow, but most of the places we're used to, what are we used to? North America and Europe, and now recent in recent times, East Asia, Japan, Korea, China, blah, blah, blah. East Asia has peaked, except for China and urbanization. All the demographic curves have peaked there. Their declines are worse than our baby boom declines were. Europe and U.S. have peaked forever. We're the best of all those three. At least our millennials take us back to where we were. We'll have a boom. We just won't go to new heights. So this is going to be a new world, and people people aren't going to see this crash, and then they're not going to see that you're going to have to be more selectively where you invest in the future. If you'd invested anywhere – from 1974 bottom, when, when Warren Buffett really got hot, a nutless monkey, by the way, could have done 80% as well as him, okay? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just being honest, if you would have started when he started, okay? So if you'd invested in anything back then, uh, late 70s, early 80s, but when, before the baby boom came along, you, in real estate, stocks, money, you'd have made a fortune, you could have just thrown darts. Now, sure. And then if you're smart, you make a better fortune, but that's not gonna be the case in the next boom. You're gonna and have to be in Southeast Asia, and in India to really
0: find growth. And that's the problem is what people don't understand is, is it doesn't just come back that they've seen it come back so many times because of the false, you know, all the manipulation. But this is, this is not just a major sell-off that we saw in March, where, you know, it just, you have a rebound right away. Uh, This is a structural downtrend of the equity market. This is a
1: demographic shift. Um, And and Japan's already seen. See, what I also tell economists, why does everybody study Japan? They had their baby boom 15 years ahead of us and 18 years ahead of Europe. They went through the same bubble we've gone through, real estate stock. It crashed. And then they've been living on QE forever in a zombie company. They're now 30 years into a zero growth, zero inflation economy. And they are never going to grow again, ever. And they're about to see their millennial generation decline Abe's arrows were not what really happened here. The millennials pulled them out of that. The millennials are peaking right now in late 2020, early 2021, and they're going to have another steeper demographic line. Demographics have shifted in the developed world, and we're never going to grow like we did before. All the demographic growth from here on out is going to be in the emerging world, and particularly. Southeast Asia and India, and you know, don't worry, because that's two billion people to invest in. So there's plenty of growth, but it's going to be there. Africa too, but Africa's still third world, corrupt, not the place to be for a good while. But but that's the place to be coming out of. It. You won't go wrong if you diversify in those areas. But if you go back and say, oh, I'm going to go back and buy Germany and Japan and China and and U.S. and Canada, you won't do so well. So and you'll only do pretty well in the U.S.
0: You're, you're talking about this 90-year cycle for the stock market, and we've hit it. You're talking about a, um, a baby boomer generation. A
1: 40-year generation cycle, approximately, which started down in 2008. So now their this spending one is
0: already on the downtrend. Yes. The, the next generation... Uh, behind them, these millennials have don't spend as much; they don't make as much. The generation after them, and there
1: aren't so- as they don't have as steep a curve of growth. Not not even near. There may be more of them, but they started from higher levels, and their growth rates are nowhere near what the baby boomers were. So you're not going to have as dynamic an economy. It doesn't start their boom doesn't start until somewhere in 2023 to 2024, and then it'll go only to about 2036 or seven. It won't be as long a boom. And you see it, you've got this gap between
0: 2021 and 2023 to twenty four, that there is nothing coming to actually fill that gap when that
1: crash comes. Except a big crash. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, the, the crash is going to be the best thing that could happen. It's going to be very painful, but it's going to clear out a lot of debt, a lot yeah, of bad companies, a lot of bad Before we get jobs. to the detox,
0: though, I want to play a little, little bit of devil's advocate with you. Um, because Fed has had many things up their sleeves from the Q. I mean, before Q1 even came, like that was not even a thing that you could just pay your way out by making printing fake money. So, if we understand that q1 and q2 did did something but the more they printed the less it did the less they and then Q, then now we've literally printed over 3 trillion and it barely was a blip on the radar if now they can print unlimited here. so here's my plain devil's advocate with you how why why would there not be another v-shaped recovery if
1: it has this massive crash what, what's there to be All the industries that could come back have already come back. Travel's not going to come back overnight. It's going to be a year or two minimum. Cruise ships, airlines, hotels, certain sectors of of retail. um, Commercial real estate has been cut forever. It'll come back, but never back to where it was ever, ever
0: again.
1: I'd say 20% of the economy never comes back. Again, my experience in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. Three months wipeout like COVID, nothing happening, and then a slow comeback. Even today, years later, twenty percent of the small businesses and restaurants around me never ever came back and never ever will. So you don't recover. And where do people spend money, especially in COVID day? Okay, people got a little extra money with all this stimulus. What do you do? I can't do. It. I can't even travel. So are you? I would seeing- spend money traveling. I can't go anywhere. Are you
0: expecting multiple public trade companies to shut down and actually close shop and yeah. not, not get bailed out?
1: Well, well, yeah, zombie companies already aren't doing much and are employing people unproductively. What you're supposed to do in downturns, which are healthy, by the way, God isn't an idiot, okay? We right. don't always boom at 3% a year with 2% inflation like the Fed wants because God's smart and the Fed people are dumber and crap, okay? They don't understand anything about it. The dynamics of growth it's the play of opposites you can't have booms without bust inflation without deflation guess where the innovation comes with high inflation or deflation in downturns all the innovation comes there if we don't have downturns and don't clear out stuff and force people to say what did COVID do force people to go online now they're going why didn't we do this before what was wrong with us that's how innovation happens so the fed wants to have a machine and make everybody happy so they and the politicians can stay in office and they're doing the wrong things. You know what the best result, and I cannot wait. We're not going to have central banks much after this. They're going to lose so much credibility when they fought this thing for over a decade, created the biggest financial asset bubble. You know how much finance, talk about trillions. Let me give you a good number. 507, still going up, Trillion. Financial assets in the world, six times the global GDP at 86 trillion. Six times GDP, that number would normally be two to three. And debt would normally be one and a half to two. Now, debt is, is four times and financial assets is six times. This You've got that much trillions that's going to have to disappear. Unproductive money, just going into speculation, not creating real jobs and real goods for real people that are sustainable. Like the real businesses they're doing, who mm-hmm. will survive this downturn? It's the crappy businesses, the speculative businesses, and all this funny money and all these zombie jobs. They disappear. That clears the debt to grow again and have more productive jobs. So People what keeps won't get them, off their ass like COVID showed and do something more innovative until it gets kicked.
0: I fully agree with that. What keeps the Fed from, you know, buying ownership into the companies? And
1: you know, feed nothing. Those They'll companies. just keep doing this until it doesn't work. You get you get diminishing returns on anything. My my thing when people when I see this thing, I say, look, I I've spent the last decades in in San Francisco and in South Beach, okay, home of drug addicts, okay, homeless people and everything, anything you want. Anybody understand addiction? Addiction, you're taking more and more of a short-term enhancing drug. Whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. Makes you feel better or makes you perform better short-term at, an ex, at a long-term expense of your health, okay? Well, you keep, and, and it's exponential. It takes more and more. They call it tolerance in the addiction industry. More and more to get the same high or to keep from coming down from that high. Oh, the more and more you take, the faster your body deteriorates. Addiction only ends in one or two scenarios. You die or you totally collapse after everybody told you you should stop and you don't do it anyway. Nobody, you totally collapse and end up in rehab and are forced to stop or die if you don't. That's all. There is no other outcome when you take more and more. This is a financial drug. We're taking more and more QE and zero interest rate. Should zero interest rates be zero forever? Why do you think there's a rate for interest? So businesses right. have to invest <laughs> it productively and clear a hurdle. It's a when it's zero, point. they're gonna waste it. You can, you can make money doing crazy, stupid leverage stuff. Any moron can, and that's what Wall Street, The bunch of morons, Harvard MBAs like me, morons making leveraged money off of cheap money that a nutless monkey could do and they'll do it until it blows up and then they'll all be out of jobs and nobody's going to cry when wall street goes down
0: it's a great point and you know we both agree the writing's on the wall stock market's completely propped up it's massive money printing machines very sick it's stagnant um the drugs have been pumped in they're less and less effective and so let's talk about the detox what actually what is going to happen by virtue of it's, it's forced by the law of nature? What's going to have to happen in that detox to actually
1: have a full clean system? Well, what has happened is, is the system has to fail enough that the central banks can't bail it back out quick enough. And that 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 almost happened in COVID. But they really I mean, they really stepped up. They saw that coming. They knew it was going to be a 20. they were going to knew it was going to be a short term depression. They replaced 20 percent of GDP. <laughs> That's really and great expense. Now that costs real money. Real, I mean, we had $3.2 trillion deficit in in, in a in a growth period, not in a depression or a downturn. Next year in, in a real downturn, it's going to be $4 trillion plus. I'm, right. I'm predicting today by 2024. Okay. federal debt's going to be 40 trillion. And you know what? I predicted that years ago because it's been doubling every two administrations five, the 10, the 20, and then. Trump comes in, two administrations later, 2024, 40. It's going to get Uh, there through huge deficits. You can't keep doing that. So we did this just to get over a three or six month COVID crisis, 35% of GDP. So what are we going to do next time? For 50%? There's a point where it just doesn't work. And, And where have we gotten off of that? Well, we avoided a downturn, but we are not at better levels than we were. People say, well, we're not. There's a lot of industries we know that haven't come back. Jobs haven't come no. back. Correct. It's all, all in okay because the government's giving it anybody unemployed or any business struggling. Well, here's money.
0: Well, and, and if we're honest, I mean, the majority of small businesses are absolutely suffering. I mean, you, you've shut the country down. The PPP loan was a joke. Of, yeah. not, for not, a lot of company. the
1: businesses don't get that, even though they could. It's too hard or something goes wrong. And, and they can unlike the big public companies, down. the zombies... They can't float a bond at three or 4% and raise money easily. They have to go to a bank. You know what a bank says to a small business in the COVID period where everything's uncertain, (laughs) giving you a dime. And if we are, it's going to be a sharp race. Right. Get some money. So
0: when, when is it Harry, that the American people will actually like click, they lose trust in the U S dollar and the stock market in in total. Well, you know, that
1: click, that's what it takes. And, 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 it's looked like that before. I've thought before, then I had to go back to my subscribers and say, nope. I mean, because I'm always telling, look, you'll know it how you have it when it when it really peaks, you'll have a very sharp crash, like the COVID crash. Um and, and, and in this case, it'll happen the next time. I'm predicting it'll be 46% instead of 35%, because every <clears throat> crash since 2018 is taken as the lower lows and gone deeper. And there is a depth that you go to when people finally see, oh, this isn't working. We've done this now four times and this crash is even worse, even though they printed 10. By the way, you said earlier, QE2 printed the same amount of money in eight months that QE1 printed in 80 months, a tenth of the time. They Mm. had to print exponentially more. So so you can see how if we had to do that, okay, let's say we got to print that much in 80 days three or four trillion monetary and another two, three. There's a point where people say, this isn't working I'm running. People run out of the stock market, smart money for, you know, so there is that point. It hasn't happened yet. I, I feel like we're getting close here because, um, you know, now we got the mob storming the Capitol. Right. You know, and, and I hate to say it, but I mean, you know, now the Republicans finally figuring out Donald is a little crazy. I've been saying for years, does he have to start drooling when he talks? Does his colon bag have to start leaking while you know while he's walking? I mean, what does it take? Everything he's done has been crazy against the grain. Some of it good, some of it bad. But he's not a sane person, and, and he is incredibly selfish. And and he just threw the Republicans under the bus with his two thousand dollar stimulus thing. Um, how long before the sales? Well, I yeah. tell you, just last night, Trump lost a lot of credibility. But yeah. The other side's seen this forever, but his side is not saying people are fleeing him at the speed of light. That's a, that's a sign. Yeah. I
0: think
1: there's perspectives on both sides of that. That's
0: that's hard because there's so many different facets. But you know, back to the economy and and people's, you know, for my for my listeners, it's this mindset that they've got this nest egg, whether it's 250,000 or a million or whatever it is, and they've they're putting it somewhere and they've been, you know propagandalized to put it in the stock market. Yeah.
1: You and, have to go there, you can't get many money on safer bonds. And so
0: at this point, the realization for most, you know, these are the baby boomers and they're realizing I don't I don't have, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 years to, to recycle and let it come back. I've got to actually have a storeholder wealth. I've got to put it somewhere that's not that because I can't have the volatility and then I've got to actually make something. So as a Solomon investor, you know, in what we really talk about is King Solomon, one, he wouldn't have done derivatives or quantitative easing or, you know, make yes, No coins. something for nothing
1: in King Solomon's age. Yeah. I mean, Old Testament age, no something for nothing.
0: You literally worked hard for what you got. And, you know, there was it was built on this, you know, direction of actually hearing from God. He stepped into being a king. He actually walked a by faith in that he built the prosperity in actual um, owning, you know, actual tangibles, and it wasn't um, leverage, leverage, le- I mean, the, the leveraging is what obviously got us in this in the first place. You've talked in the past about how 1913 is when the central banks, you know, began, and you know people don't realize that people think the central banks, the Fed. I mean, this stuff is just our friend. It's, you know, it's the doctor. It comes and helps us. And clearly, it's, it's actually what has put cracks in the system. It's what created the derivatives cracks. And it's what maybe when it first started, it looked like a great shiny idea. Um, but this is literally, you, we're all experiencing the turmoil that printing manipulative money, you know, actually what it does to an economy and so, just to kind of tie a bow around your prediction on the stock market, um, any more details around that April timeframe you want to
1: share? Well, well, you know, again, <clears throat> what we have now is we have this time COVID. I've always called the perfect trigger because it's like, because again, it's like the hurricane. It does damage, and you don't recover fully for a long time. And people still don't understand that. They're acting like we recover fully. And as soon as we get these vaccines, we're back to normal. And on a lag to that, we will be up. but that's, that's at least summer or fall in this fact, the vaccines are coming out much lower. So what we have is this danger period in the first and second quarter before the vaccines can start to prove and, 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 and start to limit the threat and the spread of this fire. We are still going to new highs recently, you know, and, and that affects the economy and, and socialization. And it all, I mean, it, this COVID thing is, It has been much worse than expected, even than I expected. I thought it would have worn off by now. So this is the time where I think because of the diminishing returns and all the uncertainties and now the mob reactions and all this stuff, and and that that in the next two quarters, the economy is going to keep getting weaker and and people are to wait a minute, we just printed 35. We just stimulated this much and we're weak again, not crashing, but weak And, you know, and then stocks start falling. You got to realize all those people, semi-rich and especially the super-rich put all their money in stocks and high-end real estate and stuff. And that stuff alone, we don't need banks to fail. We don't need loans to fail for the next crisis. $507 trillion of financial assets just loses 20% and then 30 and then 40, 100, 200 trillion dollars. Two and a half times GDP, I'm predicting, will disappear in the next several years and not come back. That is alone causes a depression because rich people will be the fastest to stop spending now, and they'll be dumping their yachts at 20 cents on the dollar <laughs> oh, that they borrowed against. Oh, yeah. and 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 loans will then fail. This is what I I had an argument with Ray Dalio at, at, at the last Tony conference in February. Yeah, this is brilliant, oh, there's this long cycle and there's these short cycle and they're coming together here, but he says it won't be as bad as the GFC because the loan exposure is not as bad. I'm like, Ray, wake up. You're the problem. You're the biggest hedge fund manager in the world. People poured money into hedge funds like yours in this overvalued stock. It's that bubble that's going to burst, not the loan bubble. And then when that causes the economy to go down, all these loans will default. Loans are way overstated, but... Loans are not going to be the biggest trigger at first. It's going to be this bubble itself finally bursting, and I think that's what's ready to happen. How much higher can stocks go? You Even notice after all this stimulus, they went back up at first. Coming now, they just Ooh. all my stocks now are in tri- S and P, Nasdaq, Russell. All of these are in narrow channels, just edging up, and I think they're getting ready to blow between now and <clears throat> mid February is my forecast. And the next crash in within two to four months will be 45% in the S&P and over 50% in the tech stocks in Russell 2000. And that's when rich people, and everybody's going to feel it and say, this failed again. And yeah. that's when the rich people are going to go back and say, hmm, not buying another BMW, not buying another yacht, yeah. not buying another uh, my third vacation house in Australia, yeah. which I'll never get to, but it's a good investment sort of stuff. All that stuff will stop. And then boom, you will not be able to print enough money when that gets enough money. So momentum. how that's does that... Point. It, how does that integrate with your um, four
0: year presidential cycle and how that ties into a, you
1: know, a bull market? Well, yeah, the four year presidential cycle is done. That, okay. cause, Cause the fed used to pump, it was the fed pumping a little and then not in the midterm. The That's done. All they do is pump. Yeah. That cycle's gone. Right. What cycle is still here other than the 90 year and the 40 year generation, 20 year cycles booms and busts within that generation and it's particularly the 40 year which is the demographic the next the last the last 20-year cycle a 40-year cycle hit in 82 and then 2002 20-year and then 40-year cycle and 20 hit at the end of 2022 so this crack i had had blake this target back to the 80s when i came out with my demographic theories and this whole boom and bust the baby boom by 2022 to 22 will be at the bottom of their cycle downturn and this 20 and 40 year cycles will intersect in late 2022 and late 2022 will be the lowest we ever see the stock market in our lifetimes or our kids lifetime mm. mm-hmm. predicting that back then just on basic cycles and now they 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 just delayed the top of this a bit but i'm telling you the more they pump it up, the faster it'll crash. I say by the end of 2022, early 2023, stocks will be down 70, 90 percent. Real estate, unlike the GFC, down 34 percent will be down 50 percent, and high-end real estate will be down 70, and junk bonds will be down 60. We're going to destroy that 200 trillion globally, and in the U.S., that number out of 125 financial assets, trillion is about $60 trillion disappears. That's three times our GDP, poof, mm. gone. You think you can spin your way or you can print your way? Oh, okay. okay well, I'll tell you the number. The Fed and the U.S. would have to print $60 trillion to offset that deficit. You wow. think they can get away with that? Right.
0: <clears throat> yeah, there's a I point in which so. the uh, the Ponzi scheme has to stop. Ponzi
1: scheme has to stop. Yeah. This has been the greatest. I have to give it to him. This has been the greatest. And anybody like creative. me who's fought it looks like a total idiot. And I'm sorry. And, and people, I had a guy in Australia. He's the Donald Trump of Australia, real estate king there. And he's like, he was even saying back years ago, he said, well, Harry, I get it. Demographs are slowing. Yeah, real estate is kind of overvalued. But why can't we just kind of get up here and stay here? Why do right, we right, have right. to go down? And I said, right. I'm not going to say his name. I said, Joe. If you can find me one time that real estate or stocks have gone up in this trajectory and overvalued and gone up there and stayed there, I will kiss your ass in public. And I have no risk of that because you will not find one. Because I've already looked.
0: That's a good point. And so kind of tying a bow around this for some of my listeners, we got central banks in the late stages of taking over the free market
1: capitalism. Um, They destroyed it. They've destroyed it special the, the interests, they've destroyed economy. democracy. Nobody decides election, and Donald Trump's finishing it off. And 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 the central banks have taken over free market capitalism by setting interest rates and, and driving the economy. They would not letting it grow and rebalance the way right. it needs to naturally. It knows better. So we're um, in need of a Fed.
0: detox.
1: Yeah. We need a detox now and then. I, I, when I was in Australia, one guy stood up and said, you know what? Paul Keating said what you're saying. He said, when we find they only had one recession in my lifetime in the early 90s. And Paul Keating stood up and said, this is the recession we had to have. That's wisdom. They needed a detox. And they did that for a year. And then boom, they haven't had a recession since. And they're going to have one now.
0: Yeah. And this is like, this is the financial literacy that people need to understand is, you know, and this is why King Solomon would actually not be in the stock market. He wouldn't exactly. actually be in the in the paper, in the shell companies in this Ponzi scheme. He would actually be in those hard assets. That's He'd be we, selling
1: sand to people building beaches, okay? Something there you like.
0: go. Yeah, yes, yeah, the actual hard assets. And so um, so let me ask a couple of questions um, that don't get talked about very much. I mean, they're kind of more fresh for some of my listeners. And that's the, the new stuff that's happening. You get, you know, China just rolled out their own DBDC, the central bank digital currency. And, you know, the U.S. is now expected to assume the next year, you know, their digital currency and begin this, this new shift from our actual currency, our physical, tangible currency to the digital currency. My question for you is, do you believe that they can actually, one, keep control of the actual currency. I guess let's go there. Do you believe that they can actually keep control? Understanding crypto, we can talk about that in a second, but do you believe that they can actually keep control of the currency?
1: No. And, and good thing. That is not the outcome we need. We need the opposite. Agreed. We need digital currencies backed by a standard like Bitcoin when it gets valuable enough and stable enough. And believe me, that could happen in, within a decade, maybe less. All it has to be is 400,000 a coin to have the same value as all the gold in the world. And, and less than that, um, maybe 150,000 just to be all the investment gold. And that's not enough to back the economies now. But still, if there's some number, it's enough to back. And when enough people own it, trade it instead of this illiquid, crazy, limited thing, right. <clears throat> then, then it could be more stable. And, and Bitcoin could become, or something like that, a standard. a digital system that creates money out of natural transactions, including loans. Loans are a way we create money now. The difference is central banks are always in the business of stimulating their economy, pushing more loans and lower interest rates and and tax savings and all this stuff that they manipulate. Oh, and they want to push down their currency, by their currency. So their exports are more competitive even if they're not. This is all cheating. This is all not in the interest of real business and the free market system. And that's why they're destroying it by printing money and taking over. So what the new system needs to get, and we're not gonna get there overnight, the crash is the first thing, destroy the credibility, destroy forever the credibility of Central Bank. We didn't have one for 1913. We may not have one except for emergency lending after this. May not have one, and I hope not, okay? Because we didn't need one before. And by the way, 1913, add 20 years. What do you have? The bottom of the greatest depression after the greatest bubble in history. It's true. Oh, who was the it's first central point. banker? John Law in France in the early 1700s. He in England did the same thing following his link, pumped up a whole bubble, and then it crashed. That was the biggest, the first big stock crash in all of history when there weren't even stock market. The biggest companies supported by governments of the world crashed because they pumped them up with the same thing we're doing now. It's so interesting. So-
0: you know and with that, so the we got the IMF and the G20 of this entire agenda to you know control. And we're not just changing from the the currency this this physical currency we have currently is not just changing from one currency to another. You
1: know, we're looking at more of a form of socialism. And so do you believe now, this Ameri- is this is not so this is the ultimate free market? Okay, think about this for a minute we got 50 states in the United States. What if every state had their own central bank and their own currency and their own money laws and all this stuff? It'd be crazy. It'd be very hard to do business. Of course, Europe has gotten away from that with the EU. And and the EU's problem is not that. The EU problem is you got strong states and weak states, and they create this spiral where the the overland of the weak states, and then they default on the strong states. So that's the problem with the EU. The EU thing and having one currency is, is an advantage if you do it right. It's crazy. To have all these central banks around the world stimulating cheating doing all this stuff and not have one global currency that has its own global standard and central governments cannot cheat without paying a hefty price and therefore they don't cheat as much that's what the gold standard did for a long time kept governments from cheating and when they did well then we all got off of it and what do we have what do we have? once we got off the gold standard, what do we have the greatest bubble in history and still with central banks now even stronger because of that. So do you believe that America, that this this, this direction with
0: the central banks, it is, do you believe that's going into a socialist communist
1: country no. mindset? No, when you have this sort of thing, you bring back, when you make it a fair playing field globally and make money real and don't over distort it and make it too easy and, and, and reward unproductive, all this stuff rewards unproductive investment. Money velocity is my favorite indicator. So simple, a moron could understand it. It tells you how fast loans and stuff are turning over. Are you investing productively or not? Money velocity has been going down since the tech bubble of the late 90s. It's going down, down, down to the lowest level. We're almost at depression levels, even in this boom. So we need to invest money, Reward that. We need a global free market system that can't be cheated and bastardized like this one.
0: This right. is That's
1: the tree we have to bring free market capitalism. But you're Digital talking about something more, like Bitcoin more something, fast right? moving and dynamic. So, but
0: you're talking about something more like a Bitcoin that's outside of the actual. It's economy. not under the
1: control of any central banks. It's right. a global standard.
0: Right. Okay. So this kind um, all these central
1: banks want to create their own digital currency to get ahead of this, so they can still manipulate their economy. Right. They're going to fail. Nobody's going to want their stupid digital currency. Yeah. And so that's what I'm talking about. Is the U.S.
0: is actually trying to create their own digital currency so they can continue this manipulative you know, socialist cycle where they can actually have control. This is
1: why we need the bubble to burst. until these people lose credibility for what (sighs) they've done and people see them as the morons, something for nothing policies, just get reelected and keep the dumb peasants happy by printing money and keep the bubble going. When people see what they really are, hucksters, shysters, then they won't listen to them anymore and they won't want their digital currency once they fail.
0: Yeah, you've got two different things here. Right? You've got this capitalist mindset that if, 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 you're, if you're controlled by a central system, it's a manipulative system. You can't really be a capitalist
1: system. This isn't a central top-down. See, here's the point. It is a bottoms-up system. Democracy is a bottoms-up system on voting. And free market supposed to be bottoms up. Should well, be, right. That has that has gone back the top down through central banks getting some right. power in governments. They're manipulating the economy. A, a bottoms up economy cleanses itself. Your body doesn't need half the crap you give it and all right. the medicines and stuff. It knows how to heal itself if you just do some healthy, simple things. It knows how to heal itself. And 90% of the drugs we're taking are making us sick or not for. That's just simple. That's what we're doing in the economy. So when you learn that lesson, you live differently. And so we have to have this crash. Number right. one. No, no, I'm just. I have in my cycles. I have another big cycle, 250 year revolutionary cycles. I mean, Protestant Revolution in Europe, early 1500, American Revolution, which kicked the crap out of monarchies forever. First bottoms up governments, even chance ever because of that. We're right into that again. It was the Catholic Church that had to be brought to their knees in the Protestant Reformation. It was monarchies controlling, you know, the aristocracies. with the, with the American Revolution democracy. Now it's central banks are going to be brought to their stupid knees. These, I have, pardon That's my the plan, hope. these douchebag economists that have never had sex or run a business. These are the people running our monetary system. Look at every one of Janet Yellen, sex and run a business. huh? Right, ben Bernanke, yeah. I'm with you. And
0: understanding, I mean, that reminds me more of like Hitler came into power. They had to actually first print money and crush the economy, and then wipe out all the you know small uh, entrepreneurs and small companies. So understanding this, um, you've got a crypto you know that's birthing that could become something stable. Like a
1: Bitcoin over time, it's not going to be the safe haven in the downturn. It may at first, like gold, gold was not the safe haven in 2008 when when the crap hit the fan. Okay, it will not be gold nor Bitcoin will be this time, but it emerges out of this. The and and when I do give and I give a lot of lectures to the crypto industry, even though I'm not an insider and, and don't understand their industry, I do understand how new technologies emerge. And they do, they see my scenario is paving the way, opening up the fairway for these crypto digital currencies to merge more clearly because central banks are only blocking this. Sure,
0: I fully agree. And you, I mean, you see it slowly gaining legs. Um, You see, you know, people like Michael Saylor investing 500 million of his, you know, publicly traded companies, Treasury into Bitcoin. You see, Um, It used to be obviously just a mom and pops. I mean, even three months ago, I would have said um, it's a terrible investment. Now, now it's something you got to look at. You got to you got to keep it in your actual peripheral. You got to understand where the economy is going.
1: Tudor Jones, One of the biggest traders in the world is now using Bitcoin as his hedge against inflation instead of gold because it's more powerful and more leveraged. And it's having bigger moves, and I don't think there's going to be inflation, but he thinks there might with all this money printing. The point is, he would have bought gold to hedge that in the past. He is buying Bitcoin.
0: Right. That's a good point. You know, I think there's all it digital
1: gold. It's not yet, but it could it's become not yet, that.
0: But it very could become that. You're right. And I think there's 20 different institutions now that have filed paperwork and with the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission last quarter. You know, prepping to invest into a grayscale Bitcoin trust. So, I mean, it's moving that direction, which do you see, I see that as a life raft to get out of the system, to get out of the central bank system.
1: Do you see that? Yeah, but, but, but number one, the central bank system ha- is too big and in the way. It has to fail. It's got to gotta birth, break. And then these life rafts can grow and prove themselves out of the ashes. And, and they think they're just going to take it over. I don't see it that way. I see the old system failing because this bubble burst. That that Bitcoin will may go up to three hundred thousand even, and then crash back to three to ten thousand, and then become the next great growth thing for decades. You know, just like I, I I actually when I'm uh, talking to the crypto people, I say you are the internet on a seventeen to twenty year lag. Same, you're emerging now like the dot com. The dot coms were crazy overvalued in the early stages and then crashed 94%, folks. 94%, including Amazon, okay? And then became the greatest boom in history in technology for 20 years after that. So after 18 years, okay? I see big going higher at some point, crashing with the rest of this bubble and emerging out of it as the new digital monetary system. And in fact, the best definition. A blockchain, Bitcoin is the potential standard for such a digital system. The the definition for blockchain is more important. It is simply the digitization of all money and financial assets, making it private and transparent at the same time, efficient, fast-moving, adaptive dynamic. It is ultimate um, underpinning for, for free market capitalism on a global level, which no other system can be no central bank control systems can ever be global because everybody's cheating for their own good and right. that's how we got in this bubble everybody out cheating at you everybody with more and more bubbles until it blows that's what we're doing blowing up bubbles to cheat because whoever cheats the most wins in the short term at the end the whole thing blows we're doubling down doubling down and it's going to blow that's not a good system it's not a good system
0: at all yet so the, the central system has to break it's got to actually be destroyed and out of those ashes come new things um, coming back to just the big picture 10,000 foot up big picture is you know it's really good for us to turn and look at why we're actually investing in 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 the first place and it was never to ride the roller coaster you know for most people they're not doing the day trading they're actually doing the set it and forget it they're doing this long game and so it's now time for, especially for my baby boomers. It's now time for you actually process, you know, if you haven't already, everything Harry's saying because the writing is on the wall. If you're in the market, I mean, when you're when you're in your head, you're dead. When you're in the market, you're gonna die. It's it's literally upside down. Um, Harry's explained that in a, a very clear pathway, and that's why as a Solomon investor, the things that we know that are tried and true. You know, are those um, tangibles that we can control, that we can actually control the traffic, the marketing, the actual sales, the closing, we buy low, we have appreciation. It's not sexy. You know, it's not the things that have all the roadclays or highs and all the smoke and mirrors, but, but it actually makes money. So the the wedding venues, the self-storage, the mobile home parks, I mean, this is the stuff that actually...
1: You know, basic positive house cash flow business is needed in good and bad times. Yeah. That's that's the real stuff that'll do the best and and grow. And then we grow out with that, and then more stuff gets added, you know, as we get wealthier again. But that, that but the most important part, Blake, is really simple. This is not an ordinary bubble, even. It's not an ordinary it's stock great, market peak. It's not an ordinary boom, and it's not an ordinary recession or downturn. This is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. If you do not see it, you will largely be wiped out by it, and most people will, unfortunately. And they were in 29 to 32. Yeah. Every day, people lost their jobs, and rich people lost all their money. And you know what? Who's going to lose the most here? The ri- Who's gaining the most from the bubble? The richest people. The top 0.1%, 1%, 10%, and 20%. The 80% have almost nothing in the stock market or or bubbly real estate in Omaha somewhere, okay, or Ohio. They don't. It's the rich they're going to get hit when this thing finally goes down. And that's going to cure our income, our, our, the highest income inequality since guess when? The late 20s and the last great bubble, which always makes the rich richer. This is going to cure the inequality policy overnight. And economists have some 20-year plan to deal with it. It's going to cure it overnight. Just let the body do a detox. Just let the economy have a detox. We will solve so many problems so fast. It'll be painful. Mm -hmm. Anybody going through a detox? No. Watch a heroin addict when they go down, okay? It's not pretty. But it's the only way to get the drugs out of your system and get healthy again. And when you do, boom, you got a clean slate. That's all we got to do. That's the big thing. So they're not going to do it by choice. So they're just going to have to blow. So, So the hard part for me and for you, harder for me, is to figure out when the damn thing's going to blow. It's going to blow. And I think the high. I just keep telling people, here's the times when it's likely I say February, March. Watch out. It Doesn't happen then. OK, then then I'll have, a, you know, another time. But that's that's the, the risk period now. And yeah. the closer we get to those vaccines if they can get to the vaccine, then we may just end up like Japan and just stay in a zombie company, never grow, but never have a deep downturn. It detox Japan never had a detox. Their financial assets did, but their debts never detox at all. Yeah. In fact, they have more depth than ever. Yeah, this is a, a season
0: that many, if they're actually walking in wisdom, they can actually make a lot of money. But the majority, you know, they're, they're the the veils on their eyes. They're leaning on their own understanding. They're they're looking at what's, you know, happening. The propaganda in the news. And um, I appreciate your wisdom, my man. Uh, thank you for laying it all out. Thank you for always speaking into the future so that we can actually see where we're going. Um, if my listeners want to hear more from you, is it the best place harrydent.com to get the yeah, news? We've got a
1: pre weekly newsletter to get to know us. I, I I advise you get on that and get on a real one soon, but still, Absolutely. get to know us as long as you want harrydent.com. And, uh, and this is a good time to be listening to somebody other than whoever else you're listening to yeah. and you because, there aren't many people under I'm just telling you, aren't many people. Under, the gold bugs don't even understand this. And they've been warning about a crisis. They think it's going to be an inflationary crisis instead of deflation. That's the opposite outcome.
0: Yes, yeah, the, the opposite outcome, the opposite rules and beliefs have how you would even invest. It changes everything. Um, yes, yeah, so go to harrydent.com. Get on his free newsletter. That allows you to see the width and depth of everything he's doing, what he's putting out. He puts a lot out in the actual newsletter. You'll actually also get his, um, his video rants on YouTube that in that that's in the newsletter as well. So I mean, guys, that's, that's priceless in itself. Um, but if you're serious about financial literacy, th- the time is now for you to actually gain that wisdom. And so Harry, thanks again, my man. Okay. Look forward to doing it again.
1: Blood.
0: Yeah. As, as the news progresses, we'll catch up again and. uh do this again. Appreciate your time, my buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, guys, here comes the thanks and the shout outs. We want to thank everyone that leaves reviews and the written reviews on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms. Just know they mean the world to us. If you've taken the 30 to 60 seconds, you know, extra seconds to show love and to give context of why this has been worthwhile for you and why this podcast has helped you, we thank you. We're going to give a couple shout-outs of our favorite reviews each podcast. So please give us some love with a five-star review. And thank you for joining the Solomon Investor
1: Revolution.